I'm going to read out of the book of Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. As you turn your Bibles there, you can look on the screen as Ray and the team, just kind of a soft, special anointing in that service, talking about new wine. You know, God wants to do a new thing in you, a new thing. He can do something great today, a new wine, a new beginning can happen for you. Because the scriptures say in chapter uh, 11 of Daniel, verse 32, it says, the people who know their God shall prove themselves strong and shall stand firm and do exploits for God. God wants you to know that we're not to boast in our own wisdom or our own might, or our own riches. Those who know God intimately shall do great and mighty exploits. So let's pray. Father, thank you today that we can do great and mighty things, not in our own strength, but because the battle is yours. And so today we stand in that place of peace and in faith believing, trusting you so we can do great and mighty exploits and hear your voice in everyday life. In Jesus' name, and all God's men and women said, amen. Now turn to your neighbor and say, you've lost weight because it's hot outside. Just go ahead and do that. So you've lost weight because it's hot. Thank you so much, worship team. Would you give them one more round of applause? Can you do it? You know, they sang that song about, you know, new wine coming out. It reminds me of the story of the pastor who was pulled over by the highway patrol and the highway patrol pulled up to the car and he came to the pastor's window. The pastor rolled down the window and the officer smelled alcohol. And he said, sir, you've been drinking? The, the guy said, no, I'm a pastor. I don't drink. And the officer said, what's in that thermos? He said, that's water in that thermos. He says, let me see. And he grabbed the thermos. He opened it up and sure enough, it was alcohol. And he says, can you explain this? And he says, absolutely. The Lord has done it again water to wine. Anyway, sometimes you have to learn to do something. And sometimes when you learn to do something, you hit and miss. In other words, you, you try to do something, you're learning to do something, and you're not always good at it in the beginning. It's like trying something new. It takes some time to get it right. That's how the Bible says we're to be when it comes to prophecy. We prophesy in part because we see in part. The scriptures tell us that Hearing from God, I believe it's something that every believer can live in each and every day because God knows our language, but hearing is learned. Hearing from God is something you have to choose to do, but you have to learn to do, and hearing is learned. You have to learn to hear. But the Bible is amazing because it gives us this shadow and these storylines, but it also gives us word pictures. You know, the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but all throughout the Bible, these word pictures show up of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, over and over, let us, meaning the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit make man in our own image. All throughout the Bible, the word pictures are there. The word rapture is not in the Bible either, but all throughout the Bible, we, we hear about this catching away. Let's not all sleep in death, but we shall be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. The trump of God shall sound. The voice of the archangel will split the heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That's a, a, a picture, a word picture of a, of a rapture, of the catching away. We're not appointed to suffer wrath. We're under the grace of God. These pictures all throughout the Bible. And let me give you three pictures this morning on hearing the voice of our Father, hearing the voice of the Lord. These pictures of knowing God are important because the first picture is a son 
knowing his father, looking up to the father. The second picture is a servant looking to the king. The third picture is a sheep learning to listen to his shepherd and leading of the shepherd where it needs to go. But I want you to look at those pictures for a moment because the picture of the son looking to a father in the 21st century has been distorted. Over 80% of minority children now go home without a father in that home. That is a distorted picture of someone looking up to someone. That's why we have an orphan spirit in our society that needs the spirit of adoption where we cry out, Abba, Father. The picture has been distorted. How about the picture of the servant looking to the king? Now we have in the 21st century a drive-by mentality when it comes to church. I'll, I'll do something for the Lord if I get recognized, get a union wage, get rewarded immediately, get accolades, but you call me to serve without recognition, I'm nowhere to be found. We live in a society that wants things instantly without doing anything for it. The picture has been distorted. How about the picture of the sheep listening to the lead of the shepherd? So often in the 21st century electronical age, that picture is distorted because we want everything now immediately without any work to get it. We want it immediately. But those pictures, in essence, this type and shadow show us something, that who we look up to is who will take care of us. And I asked you the question this morning, who is it that you are looking up to? Because what you look up to will take you over. It's been said that what we behold is what we will become. Isn't that true? We can know God as a father. When we receive Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, God immediately becomes our father. All are God's, uh, all are God's creation, but not all are God's children. Only till we believe do we become the children of God. The Bible says, to as many as believe, gave he the power to become the sons and the daughters of God. Do I got any believers in the house this morning? Therefore, you're a son and you're a daughter of the Most High God. You can look up to your heavenly father. What your earthly father couldn't give you, what your earthly father walked out, God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, even to the ends of the earth. So now that picture doesn't have to be distorted. How about the place of knowing God as a servant? Jesus said the greatest among us is the servant of all. Jesus did not come to this earth to be served. He came to serve, and there's a world of difference. When we serve the Lord with our hearts pure before God, God. God honors that service, not only in this life, but the life to come. When we get to heaven, God will ask us, present your works. We're not saved by work, but we're saved to do work. And there's a world of difference. And God says, when we get to heaven, we're going to come before this, this judgment seat of Christ, where our works will be presented before God. And the refiner's fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit will light those works up. And everything that was done unto man, everything that's done unto self will explode because of wood, hay, and stubble, because those works were in vain. But what you and I do for the Lord, the scriptures say, when the fire of the Holy Spirit hits it, when the fire of God hits it, that will be only purified because the refiner's fire has made it as pure as it possibly becomes. I'm telling you, friends, what men may not see, what your boss may not see, what your spouse may not see, what you do unto the Lord is seen by God. God knows and he will reward it. You can be known as a father looks to a son, as a servant looks to the king, and as a sheep looks to the shepherd 
for guidance. God calls us to learn to put him first. The Bible says that in Matthew 6.33, we're to seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto us. That's important because God says in 1 John 2 and 4, he that says, I know God, but does, but does not do what he says is a liar and the truth is not in him. That's a verse that you do not have on the refrigerator, but that's a verse in the Bible. He that says, I know God, but doesn't do what he says is a liar and the truth is not in him. So what has God commanded us to do? I obviously said it to put him first, but how about commanding us to pray? The three winds of revival. I didn't say W-I-N-D. I said W-H-E-N, the win of revival. When you pray, God says, when you pray, I begin to move because where there's some prayer, there's some power. Where there's more prayer, there's more power. Where there's much prayer, there's much power. God says, when you pray, you are sowing the seed and I will produce a harvest out of that prayer because what you ask in my name, it shall be done unto thee. That's a wind of revival. And it says when we give, it's another seed. When it's planted in the kingdom of God, it will produce a harvest. If what you have in your hand is not enough to meet the need, then what you and I have in the hand is called seed. And always Jesus is looking what's in your hand. Not what you don't have, but what you do have. The little boy with the sack lunch. What's in your hand? Five barley loaves and two small fish. What are they among so many? But when they're put in anointed hands, it feeds the multitudes and has enough for a delicatessen left over because what's in your hand, it may not be enough, but when you pray and when you give, God says, I'll abundantly bless you. I'll press it down. I'll shake it together and I'll run it over. And then it says, when you fast, our society is now talking about these fasting uh, phenomenon about men and women can take this. Uh, I don't even say the word right. Jennifer corrected me in the first two services. So it's something about uh, fasting for a couple of days here and there. And you may know the words. I don't. I'll mispronounce it. But it's been told by our, our doctors that if you fast for this thing or that thing, it will help you physically. It'll help you with your blood pressure. It'll help you live an extended life. But God says, if you want to live a spiritual life, if you want to tune in to me, when you fast, do not be a person that lets the other people know you're fasting, but be part of the fasting movement that gives it to me and honor me in that fast. And not only will I help you physically look good so your pants will fit, I'm going to help you feel good and do what I've called you to do. I'll spring forth Isaiah 58. Suddenly blessings come upon you. I'll heal your family. I'll heal your body. I'll provide for you when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. That's God's command. He also commanded us to go out into that world and preach that wonderful gospel. Do the gospel that you preach, is it the good news? The good news of the gospel is a gospel of hope. From the Garden of Eden to the crest of Calvary, friends, God and man was at war. But at Calvary, Jesus Christ took the sinful hand of man and he took the perfect holy hand of God. He put them together on his blood-soaked chest and he sobbed, it is finished. He did not say, I am finished. He said, it 
is finished. What is the it? The it was the no longer having a block from you getting to the Father. No longer would you have to go to a priest and go to a sacrifice of a ram, a bull, or a turtle dove. Now, because of what it was happened at Calvary, the it was the total fulfillment of the promises of God, the total fulfillment of the grace of God. Now the it is you and I stepping boldly into the throne room of grace, having access to the Father, that any time I call on him, come day or night, I may not get to a U.S. senator, I may not get to the latest and the greatest, but any time I call upon the Lord, the creator of the universe, inclines his ear to me, and he says, you call me, son, and I am yours because of the finished work of Calvary. I don't know about y'all, but that's good news to me. How about you? That's good news. That's the gospel. We're not to give the doom and gloom news. We're to give the good news, the good news of hope, the good news of reconciliation between God and man. God commands us to love the brethren. That means love people in the house of God, love the church, not just our church, but love the church because our God is greater than one church. A church is not a building. A church is a body of believers that represent the kingdom of God. We're to love the brethren, even if they don't have the same theology of you, if they don't think like you, talk like you, act like you. You're to love them. They're part of God's tapestry. God has some strange children, by the way, and you're to love them anyway, the good, the bad, and the whoop, whoop. You're to love them because God commands us to love the brethren. He also says that he calls us to produce fruit. The Bible tells us good fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and fruit that remains. Do you know we're not saved by works, but we're saved to do works, to, to produce fruit? Godly fruit. It's the gifts of God that represent the power of God. That's the power gifts, but it's the fruit of the Spirit that represents the personalities of God. So many Christians, they want power, but they don't want to represent the personality of God. And God wants you to be loving, to be kind, to be generous, willing to share, willing to give, to be kind one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. As God, for Christ's sake, forgave you, you and I are to forgive one another. What's that fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, goodness, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control, which such things the Bible tells us and later in the Galatians writing, there's no law. It says in 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God. But he that loveth not does not know the Lord. Oh, sweet Jesus, somebody help me with that. There are some people, they claim to know God, but they don't love anybody. They're too in love with their doggone self. And God says, no, when you love me, you're going to love my people. The Bible says we know we pass from death to life because we love the brethren. We love people. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Because he laid his life down for us, we ought to lay our life down for one another. That's the verse that many people need to live out. But it's a painful verse, isn't it? But you can know God as a father. You can know God as a servant. And friends, you can know God as a shepherd. The Bible says something amazing, that my sheep know my voice. 
God has an octave chord and a voice that you and I can tune in and know it's of God. I want you to know that because God knows your language. He knows your personality. He knows your language. He knows your vein. He knows how you react, how you respond. He knows your language. Wasn't it the Magi who were astrologers? And so God gave him what? Stars to follow. Wasn't it the shepherds that didn't believe in astrology, but the shepherds believed in angels? So God gave him a visitation of what? An angel. What's the point? God knows how to get your attention. He knows your language. He knows your language because he is, the scripture tells us, that great shepherd. And we are the sheep of his pasture. The shepherd knows what to do with the sheep in all of our ways. It tells us to acknowledge him and he directs our path. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah, a passage of scripture that for years I I couldn't wrap my head around. A, A passage of scripture out of Isaiah 30, 21 That is an amazing verse to me, but it's often overlooked. But it says something interesting. It says, you will hear a voice behind you that says, this is the way, walk there in it. Now think about that. If you're going to hear a voice that's behind you, what has happened? You have got out in front of the shepherd. Remember, you are the sheep. God is the shepherd. And when you are the sheep, you need to know something when God calls us sheep. It's not very good news, by the way, about being called a sheep. Sheep are not very smart. Not only are sheep not very smart, they don't got good eyesight. Do you know sheep can't fight? There's not a mechanism in the sheep that can get down, Charlie Brown. There's not a fight in a sheep. The only defense a sheep has for the ravenous wolf that comes is, it is totally dependent upon the shepherd. Now let's read that verse again. There's a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. That means you, as the defenseless, not seen very well, not very bright sheep, have jumped out in the front of the shepherd and now the voice is behind you saying get behind me and let me lead you so you and I have an opportunity to hear the voice of the shepherd even if we've got out in front even if we've missed the mark even if we've we've misstepped it the Bible says in all of our ways we'll acknowledge him and guess what happens he starts to direct the path and we can get back and be led by the Holy Spirit which is our great shepherd now think about this Because if he's our great shepherd, then we're not to get out in front of him. So how are we to know the will of God for our life? There are three ways I'll move quickly. One is the word of God. God will never tell us anything that gets outside his word. The word of God and the will of God are synonymous. They're one and the same. First John 5, 14. This is the confidence that I can have. I can have great confidence that anything I ask according to his will, he heareth me. If I ask things that are not according to his will, how many know he ain't hearing me or I'm going to get a no and going to get silence from the throne room. But when I ask things according to his will, he hears me. So I know the will of God through the word of God. Secondly, through circumstances, God is sovereign. He controls the circumstances of a believer's life. You say, well, Joey, I just don't really believe that. Then ask Joseph who set him on the journey from the pit, the prison to the palace. God orchestrated every step of the way for Joseph, which is a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. He's sovereign. He controls the circumstances of a believer's 
life. So you take the word of God with the will of God. You, you orchestrate it around your circumstances. But here's the third one, by the peace of God. That peace, the Bible says, surpasses all understanding. Now think about this, because the first two of them, the word of God and circumstances, are subjective. The third one is objective. In other words, if I'm directed to do something and my peace gets disturbed, that's God's navigational device that he's put inside of all of us, the Holy Spirit, our conscience, if you will, that tells us we're going in the wrong direction. How many of you have violated your peace and done something that after you've done it, you wish you wouldn't have did it? The rest of you got a problem with lying, by the way. We're going to cast that out of you before the service is over. We've all done that. We know to do the will of God. We don't do the will of God. That's disobedience. We've all been there. When our peace got disturbed, I mean, I bought vehicles and something inside me was like, don't buy that car. Jennifer's not going to like it. And I'm like, no, I got to have that ride. I got to have those wheels. I got to have that. I got to look good. And, and all of a sudden, that car is the biggest lemon that made macho lemonado. Then I ended up calling it Shanita. She needed mufflers. She needed tires. She needed lots of stuff. But man, it looked good from the beginning, but my peace indicator was going off, but yet I still bought something or did something. We've all been there, right? We, we can have the will of God in our everyday life. But if you and I are unclear about something, so in other words, if we're unclear about how to take action when it comes to hearing God's voice, can I tell you, friends, sometimes when you're unclear how to take action, you have to focus on clarifying the problem instead of the solution. Because if you don't know how to take action, how are you going to resolve the problem? So therefore, you've got you to identify the problem, clarify the problem instead of the solution. So here are some errors that I think people make when they when they want to hear from God. These are errors when they want to follow the voice of the Lord. We all have made these errors, so I'm putting us all in the category together. Big spaghetti bowl of love here today. We're going to mash it up. I'm going to put a little stuff on it. But here is the spaghetti bowl that we make these errors when it comes to hearing God's voice. One of them is we want to follow our own feelings. I remember back in the 70s, they had that song. It was so depressing. Feelings. Whoa, 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 feeling. I mean, I had a bad feeling every time I hear that song. And then if you change the channel, it'd just be more. That's what, that's why country music. Uh, anyway, but I, I, feeling, I don't think that's country, but it ain't cool. Let me just tell you. But so often we try to follow our feelings and we say things like, I felt led. I felt led of the Lord. I have an inward impression. I have had an experience, and so I'm going to resignate out of my experience. I think impressions are fantastic. I think experiences, when they're godly, are wonderful. Our experience that leads you to a better place. I think all of those things being led are great, but can I tell you, friends, and this is the God-honest truth, our feelings, our impressions, our personal experiences are not equal to the Word of God. They're not equal. They'll never be equal because our feelings and impressions will change. I mean, I know I look like I'm 24, right? You're supposed to say amen to that. You know what? It's fine. Two of you did. I'll pay you later. But 
I'm not the youngest of fellas anymore, even though I look good, by the way. But I have learned over time that I can't go by certain feet. I've changed. I've changed since I've become a pastor in the last year, two years, three years. What a, I have changed for the better, I believe, dramatically. So I, I can't always follow my feelings because sometimes my own feelings, impressions, they always lead me because of my upbringing to insecurity. And out of the insecurity because of what I felt or the impressions that I have always lead me back to an orphan spirit. And when I have an orphan spirit, I always react out of a defensive mechanism and not a position of peace. So I don't always go by my feelings. And that's important because our feelings, our impressions, they're not equal to the Word of God. You've got to line everything up to the Word of God. God has given us a, a brain. He's given us the Holy Spirit. We need to use it. That's why dreams, feelings, visions, prophecy, they're not equal to God's Word. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1. It says it so clearly. If a prophet, a dreamer of dreams, comes and they share a dream with you, or a vision, or a prophecy, and it comes true. Listen to this. But that leads you to serve another God. The Bible says, kill that prophet. That's in your Bible. So I'm not telling you, blow them away. But I am telling you, you need to stay away. When people are calling themselves a God's representative and God's spokesperson and God told me to tell you, it should always line up with what the Holy Spirit and His Word has already confirmed in your heart. It should line up 100% when God's already impressed with you. It's already lined up to the word and it's going to line up right there because you've trusted in God and you put your faith in him. And sometimes those people, they go from place to place, service to service, church to church. And they're what I call outhouse prophets. You know what an outhouse prophet is? An outhouse is a little house behind the big house. And that's an outhouse that stinks. Uh, you'll get that on the way home. But it's true. It will always confirm what God has already put in your heart. I prophesy every Sunday. I prophesy your destiny, your dreams. I prophesy every Sunday. But can I tell you what I don't do, friends? I don't tagline it with, thus says the Lord. And the reason I don't tagline it, and neither should you, because you and I are not perfect. We're imperfect vessels. We only see in part God who is perfect. So if it settles on the heart and it's lined up with the word of God, it will confirm what God has already worked on because the prophecy comes true when it's led of the Lord. That's so deep. I just, I'm like, wow. I blew my wig back right now. Can't you tell? But you have to see the end from the beginning. You really do. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 32, 29, oh, that they were wise and they would consider the latter end. So we have to ask ourselves questions when we get led to do something and our feelings start going and we're getting this thing and that thing. We have to say, is my conduct, is my choice going to lead me or is it going to violate the word of God? Is it going to lead me to a good place? Or is it going to lead me to a place I'm not going to like at the end? Because choices do have consequences. So it's an error sometimes when we feel like I would just be led by my own feelings, my own interpretations, or what somebody else that doesn't have any investment in my life or an investment in the weight of my decision. It's like people, they want, they want your life, but they don't want your wisdom. Right? People often, they want your life, but they don't want your wisdom. They want to they tell you after the fact, but they don't want to share with you in that journey. And it's important because we often refuse to hear God because of our own self-will. We want to hear what we want to hear. 
That's why the Proverbs 12.5 says, the way of the fool seems right to himself, but the wise man or woman listens to advice. A wise person listens to the multitude of counsel that God puts around them. But often we, we want it and we just get it. Reminds me of the story of the, of the wife who had been to the store and she went into the department store and this dress was just screaming at her, buy me, buy me, buy me. It was the enemy whispering in her ear and she bought the dress. It was like $400. And so she tried to hide it, put it in the back of the closet and tried to hide it. And the husband found it. And she goes, no, that's an old dress. And it wasn't an old dress. He saw the tag and they were struggling financially. And he says, why did you buy that dress? Why did you pay $400? And she said, I couldn't help it. I was walking by the department store and that just screamed at me, you need me. She said, I, I just, I fell victim to the voice of Satan. I fell victim. The husband said, don't you know to rebuke Satan and say, get behind me, Satan, when you're tempted that way? She said, I did that. But Satan whispered back and said, it looks good from behind too. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I don't care who you are. As we get ready to close our time, you have to realize our self-will will make us do things and call it God often. It really will. But we're to, we're to judge that prophecy. The Scriptures tell us that in 1 John 4, 1, that in the latter times, uh, there would be things that would happen that we would, men and women, we get heed to these doctrines of demons and these seducing spirits. Notice doctrine of demons, plural. Why? Because there are things that will lead you away from God and they'll call it God. You have to be careful of that in your day-to-day -day life. A doctrine of demon, what is that? It's anything that tells you there's another path to God rather than through Jesus Christ and His shed blood. It's a doctrine of demons. That means Buddha is a doctrine of demons. Mohammed is a doctrine of devils. That means other religions that tell you there's pathways with Mary and all these other priests and you don't need a priest. You don't need. Those are doctrines of devils that try to get you away from fulfilling your divine destiny. And God says, stay away from it. You're to judge that just because people say they're this or they say they're that or they say they have the truth. You need to measure what comes out of their mouth and judge it by the word of God, not judging them, but you're to judge what comes out of them. Every Sunday, you know what y'all do? You judge us. How do, how do you judge what you're saying every Sunday? By you coming to church? Because if you don't like what's said, you ain't coming. It's really that simple. You're going to judge it by whether you come or whether you don't come. And you're to do that with certain things, right? We're to judge prophecy to see if it be real. I've had the wonderful privilege to see people's lives transformed supernaturally by the word of prophecy. You should never reject prophecy. In other words, I'm not saying reject it, but you need to measure it. You need to measure it. Prophecy is so wonderful. I mean, I was prophesied when we came to Stockton that God would give us an open heaven. It was a prophecy. Man, I, I live in that prophecy. It was a word in season, a prophetic word, and I live in it. So I'm not trying to discredit any of that. I say we need to move in that. We need to embrace that. But it needs to be judged. So there's not some crazy talk of some unwielded Christian that calls himself a self-fulfilling prophet or prophetess, and it leads you down the wrong path. How does it always lead? Voice, money. Voice means you got to come to them, then it hits you in the pocketbook. You say, oh, Joey, that never happens in church. <laughs> yeah, 
you naive little sucker, you. Always happens. You need to judge those things. Because friends, hearing is learned. Hearing is learned. Hearing from God is something you got to choose to do, but you got to learn to do it. Hearing is learned. My wife and I, we've been married now uh, 18 years, and uh, our counselor says we're doing a lot better. So that's good. But one thing I've learned being married so long, I know the tone of my wife's voice. I know when she wants something done and when it's kind of, eh. So I've learned to listen to the right voice. And my children know who to go to when they want something. They know the voice of dad. Because dad's voice is yes and amen. Mom's is no bueno. But hearing is learned. Do you know when you hear messages like this, that you hear it from three different places? You really do. You hear it from first your own self, your self-will. It hears something. Then you hear it if you listen to the voice of demonic, the devil. You can't, you can't accomplish that. That man's a liar. The church just wants this or this want that or they just want you to do that. And the devil starts speaking. It's self-will or it's the devil. And then there's the third voice. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's something inside you says, yeah, what that says is truth. It's the voice of the Lord. The power of the gospel, the Holy Spirit. So I ask us all today, who is it the rest of the week we're going to hear from? We're going to hear from our own self. We're going to let the enemy whisper what we can't do, what we won't accomplish, what our children won't accomplish, what we're going to be this or not have that or be broken down and not, not fulfill our destiny. We're going to listen to the enemy. Are we going to listen to the still, small voice of the Lord that says, I prepared a place for you. I know the way for you. I plan to prosper you. I plan not to harm you. I plan to give you hope and a fantastic future. As we close our time, when a baby starts to listen to different sounds, an infant, you can take a baby rattle to the side of that baby's ear and you can rattle that thing and the baby is amused by the rattle because it's a toy. But on the other side of that ear, you can take the end of a rattlesnake. It produces the same type of noise. One is harmless. One is fatal. It works that way spiritually too. You can hear things that sound right, but aren't right. Only till it's measured with the word of God does it become right. I can speak to God and God can speak back to me. And I can have a wonderful relationship because he knows my language. He knows my personality. And I can be led by the Holy Spirit himself each and every day because he lives on the inside of me to fulfill my divine purpose and release that power in my life because I've been led by the Spirit of the living God. And so can you.